Have you ever had a day where you started off just great? You had a nice healthy breakfast and, you know, things were going pretty well through lunch. And then in the afternoon, maybe you have a few pretzels and oops, you realize that kind of puts you over your calorie budget for the day. And suddenly you're thinking, oh God, I had three pretzel sticks instead of two and that put me 23 calories over my budget. Oh, the heck with it. You know, I really wanted potato chips anyway. And while I'm at it, since I've actually already blown it, I might as well have three cupcakes, a half a box of crackers, and three slices of pizza. Yeah, we've all been there. Today, we're talking about falling off the wagon. We're going to address two specific reasons why our brains are wired to make it feel like we fell off the wagon when we have a slip up. And best of all, we're going to talk about four specific tips to help you banish falling off the wagon forever. Ready to bust up that wagon and use the leftover scraps as fuel for your fire of awesome? Ah, yeah, you are. Let's go. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here today. I definitely appreciate that you are here and listening. And today we're talking about something that I think probably affects all of us at one point or another. And that is the idea of falling off the wagon. So for me personally, Cheerios, right? Cheerios were the thing that tipped me over my my on the wagon off the wagon. And that doesn't seem like a big deal like Cheerios, right? But what would happen is I'd be you know, on my diet on my plan, and I had a good breakfast, like, okay, awesome. And usually I made it to lunch and you know, had whatever was planned for lunch. And then the kids would come home from school, 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3.30, and they're hungry. They want a snack. And um, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, there were some days where I'd be like, you know what, I'm just going to get myself a little like serving of dry Cheerios. And as they're having their snack, I'm munching on some Cheerios. And, you know, I, that went pretty fast. And so I'm like, well, I kind of want another bowl of Cheerios. And, you know, it's just dry. It's no big deal. Like they don't really count, right? And... After two bowls of Cheerios, there was something in my brain that switched between that first bowl of Cheerios and that second bowl of Cheerios. It's like, okay, well, now I've blown it. And now I just want to have everything. And so then it was like, bring out the cheese and the bread and the peanut butter and the leftover pizza. And, you know, by that time, then I wasn't hungry for dinner, but I sure wanted some dessert. And so then we got the ice cream and the chocolate. And I was like, oh, why? Why do we do this? So actually, there's two reasons why we do this, why our brains are kind of specifically wired to make it feel like a slippery slope of like one little slip up leads to two leads to 10. And so the first reason why our brains do this is because of something called the what the hell effect. Um, This is like a scientific thing that, you know, smarty pants science people have actually named called the what the hell effect. Basically, when you've made a quote unquote bad choice, you feel guilty about it. And you give up trying to eat well because, quote, what the hell, the day's already ruined. And this comes from the idea that I made a bad choice. The word bad itself, like that implies a sense of morality, a a, a good or bad. You know, if, if you could almost rewind and just say, I made a choice, that feels a lot different than I made a bad choice. And so that 
one word in itself creates this kind of spiral of guilt in our brains. And we end up telling ourselves, well, I fell off the wagon. So now I'm going to have to start over from scratch. So I might as well enjoy myself. And then of course, we vow to start fresh the next morning or Monday or next week or after the holidays or whatever. This all or nothing thinking is one of the biggest challenges of dieting. And diets actually set us up for the what the hell effect because of the rules that the diets create for us. Like you you can eat this, but not that. And, you know, our society is, it teaches us to kind of be rule followers. You know, sit in your chair, do what you're told, get the A on the test. And as soon as we accidentally color outside the lines of the rules of the diet, we feel like we failed. We feel like I'm, I'm the problem. And so this what the hell effect is the number is the the first reason why uh, we are so susceptible to quote falling off the wagon. Now the second reason why we're very susceptible to this thinking is perfectionism. They kind of they really go kind of hand in hand, and so the idea of again sit in your chair, do what you're told, get the A on the test. The rules of the diet set us up to feel like we have to do it perfectly or we have failed. And so that perfectionism thinking is what sets us up for falling off the wagon. When perfection is your goal, like when perfection is your floor, how do you improve from there? That, that's, that leaves you no room to improve. So you're either meeting expectations or you're failing. And we think that if I can't be perfect, then why bother trying? I, I once heard an analogy that a perfectionist would rather get a zero on a test than a B minus, because it's like, if I can't get it perfect, I might as well not even try. Now, obviously, that's an exaggeration. But that's sort of what happens when we have this what the hell effect when we fall off the wagon of like, I didn't get it perfectly. So I might as well not even try. And that, of course, sets us up for failure. So those are the two reasons why our brains are pretty much wired to adopt this uh, all or nothing thinking, what the hell, and falling off the wagon. So what do we do about it? How do we address this kind of natural inclination to feel like we've got to get it perfectly or why bother even trying? So first step to addressing all or nothing thinking is don't diet. What if there was no wagon? What if you just removed it altogether? If there is no wagon, you can't fall off. And so there's no rules to the diet. It is, does this food serve me? Does it not? Yes, no. And if the answer is no, there still may be a valid reason why you're eating it. Maybe you're eating it to serve your emotions. Okay, we all have those moments. Be honest with yourself about why you're eating something. And so if there's no rules necessarily, you can be clear around why am I eating this? Am I eating this because I feel hungry? Am I eating this because I am bored? Am I eating this because I you know, want to avoid feeling hurt or sad or lonely? Those are all real reasons why we eat. But don't make the reason why you eat, well, I didn't follow the diet, so I might as well enjoy myself. Don't make that your reason. The way to have lasting change is to be able to be honest with yourself and get clear and curious about what are your triggers? What is the motivation underneath your behavior? And so you can kind of unpack it and you know, demystify the puzzle of it. And then you can be prepared in the future for similar challenges that are going to come up. Diets perpetuate the all or nothing thinking because of all the rules that it imposes on you. 
When you subscribe to all or nothing thinking, you're susceptible to falling off the wagon. So instead of the diet mentality, give yourself the next best decision mentality. Give that a try. So that is step two. Step one is don't diet. Step two is adopt the next best decision. So think about this. You are never more than your next best choice away from being right back on track. It doesn't matter. You could be at like the bottom of the bag of Doritos and you say, well, I could leave one left in the bag and that's my next best choice is just to put the bag away. That's okay. That's your first step to getting right back on track. Rather than going into full on screw it mode, you can look for your next best decision. Maybe for me, my next best decision would have been to stop after two bowls of Cheerios and be like, well, that wasn't amazing, but I at least can still have a healthy dinner. Maybe the next best decision is to wake up tomorrow and make a positive choice instead of, well, I messed up on Friday night, so I might as well eat what I want until Monday. The next best decision is always going to be to tell yourself that your past does not define your future. Whether your past was the last 20 years or the last 20 minutes, you always have a new opportunity in front of you to choose yourself. And the next best decision can always include loving yourself no matter how imperfect you are. You don't need to wait till Monday. What's the next best choice you can make in the next 10 minutes? Beating yourself up every time you make a mistake eventually leads to quitting. So instead of trying to be perfect, let's acknowledge two important things. Number one, you are the product of the things you do every day, not the things you do once in a while. So if you occasionally do something outside of your norm, like you know, eat a plate full of cookies or skip a workout or whatever, that moment won't have a lasting impact on your health unless you keep going with that negative choice. And secondly, a splurge will only affect your progress when you keep indulging. Step number one is always to forgive yourself. Then focus on your next choice. Just focusing on your next choice feels a lot less overwhelming than recommitting to your diet forever. Step number three to combating the all or nothing thinking or I fell off the wagon is to plan. Instead of trying to be perfect, expect the slip up. What are you going to do when that happens? So I don't know about you, but I know that my weight loss journey has included a lot of screw ups. Every successful weight loss journey includes screw ups. Expect it. Plan for it. Accept yourself for it. Here's a question for you. What do you think is the main difference between people who are successful at weight loss and people who are not, who are not? I'll tell you, it is not how well they follow their plan. It's also not how many mistakes or slip-ups they had. The main difference for the people who are successful simply kept going. That's it. Just keep going and your goals are inevitable. A quick story here. Um, back in the day when I was kind of in my phase of really following this diet or that diet, and I was I was really hunting my quote unquote after picture, I've, I noticed a pattern start to arise. So I found that I could do really well for like three weeks, maybe four, but then something would always come along and wreck my progress. You know, maybe it was like a trip to visit our family or somebody got sick or like, don't even get me started on holidays, but there was always something and it was so frustrating because I would feel like I was really gaining momentum and then I'd only have it derailed by some random thing. And I would feel like, oh, now I've got to start all over again. But a funny thing happened. After a while, I began to notice a pattern. 
that these kind of, quote, progress upsetting events always seem to come along after about three weeks, maybe four or five of being good. And I began to wonder if maybe I was thinking about things backwards. So if I was thinking about these events as they were abnormal things, they were unusual disruptions to my routine. But if they were so predictable, then maybe they weren't so abnormal after all. I mean, life can be pretty predictably unpredictable. That's how life is. And so I began to expect that every three to four weeks or so, there would be something that would kind of, you know, have two steps forward, one step back. And I began to expect it. And so when it happened, I didn't feel so demoralized. I didn't feel like all was lost. It was like, oh, yeah, I knew that was coming along. So it's time to just get back to normal, back to uh, what I was doing that was feeling really good. I mean, so it's understandable to have slip ups when you're not feeling well, unexpected life events happen and they get in the way. And it can be so frustrating if you feel like you're on track and you're having a good week or two and then something comes along and blows it. And it's tempting to think that that thing that comes along is out of the ordinary. But the other way to look at it is life is full of periodic events that disrupt our routines. I mean, whether it's a stressful week at work or family comes to town or the dog pooped on the floor, whatever it is, it can be helpful to think of those disruptive moments as a very normal and predictable part of life. And if these events are predictable, then you can plan for them. Let me ask you this. What if you assumed that life and all of its interruptions are normal? Life's default mode without inputting any extra effort is to be less conscious of your food, less conscious of your exercise and your sleep and your health, etc. It's a lot like pedaling a bicycle. You know, if you keep pedaling, the bike will keep going. But the natural way of things, the default setting for a bicycle is if you do nothing, it will slow down and eventually it will stop and fall over if you're not pedaling. So there's no reason to be upset with yourself for getting slowed down by life's natural default setting. It's normal. It's okay. You can be aware that healthy habits simply take consistent pedaling. You don't have to go very fast to keep the bicycle going, but it does take a little pedaling to avoid falling back into default. So if you were to make the assumption that something will eventually come along and disrupt your routine, how can you look at it as something that is expected? Then make a plan for how you will keep pedaling your bicycle just a little bit to keep you going and get you right back on track. If you can expect it, you can plan for it. How do you want to talk to yourself in those moments when life got in the way? How do you want to look at it? I mean, just like that kid who's learning to ride a bike, if you can figure out how to fail and make mistakes and slip up and, and you know screw up and keep going, then you're unstoppable. The only difference between someone who loses weight and someone who doesn't is that in the moment that they overeat or make a mistake, one of them keeps going and the other one gives up on themselves. The person who succeeds is able to be present and have a better conversation with themselves. And if you're hanging on to the diet mentality and the idea that you have to be perfect, otherwise you'll fail, then you're going to be setting yourself up for falling off the wagon. You're going to be setting yourself up for failure. The magic lies in the willingness to keep going until you figure it out, to learn from every slip up, make it an opportunity. How can you learn to become the person who is figuring it out a little bit at a time? Your secret weapon against all or nothing thinking is self-compassion. And trust me, self-compassion does not mean that you're making excuses for yourself. 
nor does it end up having more cheat days or whatever. Even though it's easy to assume that you need to be hard on yourself to get yourself to do anything, we already know that self-criticism is strongly associated with less self-control and less motivation. In other words, beating yourself up means you are less likely to change your ways. It's a lose-lose. On the other hand, being kind to yourself and offering yourself self-compassion gives you a greater sense of agency and self-efficacy and motivation, which all of that is like fancy talk for like, I can do it. I can figure this out. I'll try again. We all fall off the wagon. The key to getting back on track is forgiveness and self-compassion, not guilt and shame. So step one, don't diet. Step two, adopt the next best decision mentality. Step three, plan for setbacks. Make a plan, know that it's going to happen. And step number four to making falling off the wagon no longer an issue that you are susceptible to is to claim your agency, claim your power. So speaking of falling off the wagon, did you know that the phrase falling off the wagon actually comes from the 1890s during the height of the temperance movement when there was like you weren't supposed to be drinking? And so the folks that were advocating for abstinence from alcohol were part of the anti-saloon league. And so the water wagon was actually kind of gross, used for sanitation purposes. It would hose down dusty streets. And so this water was not great. And if by saying you were on the wagon, that meant you were so committed to not drinking alcohol that you would rather drink the gross water from the sanitation cart than actually drink alcohol. And so that's where that phrase comes from. And naturally, it's taken on lots of other meanings since then. Um, and you know, it now refers to kind of falling off the diet. But here's the problem with that idea. When you when you think of it that way, it implies that you're just sort of merrily riding along and then, oops, we hit a bump and I fell off. Like it, something happened to me. And that's secretly self-sabotaging yourself because you're putting your power somewhere else outside of you. It's like saying, it's not my fault I fell off the wagon, we hit a bump. It's like you're at the mercy of your environment. And that is giving away your agency. That's giving your control to something outside of you. You always have a choice. Even if that choice is to act on your desires that are buried in your subconscious mind and that you're going to eat your feelings, you have a choice to respond and act on an urge or not. If it's a choice, then it's not just happening to you. You have control. And when you do cave and act on that desire, because you will, it's okay, it's normal, we all do it, it's tempting to say, I just fell off the wagon, it's no big deal, it's not my fault, I'll get back on the wagon tomorrow. While that's better than beating yourself up, take a second, stop, slow down and reflect. Use this as the golden opportunity it is. Never let a slip up go to waste. Your subconscious mind wants you to blow it off and not be aware of what might have led to that event. And the longer you leave it in your subconscious mind, the more it's going to feel like it's out of your control, that it's not a voluntary choice. So do yourself a favor and unravel that thread. Use your prefrontal cortex to pay attention and examine everything that went on leading up to falling off the wagon. Be a scientist. Learn from your experiments. Remember the idea of treating everything like a scientist? When you try something and it works, great. When you try something and it doesn't work, great. Everything is data that is informing you and giving you information of how you can tweak things a little bit so that 
You can find the system and the process that works for you, your customized unique system. Okay. So when you're tempted to fall off the wagon or when you fell off the wagon, four things to think about to help you get out of that mentality is number one, don't diet. Number two, adopt the next best decision mentality. Number three, plan for it. And number four, claim your agency, claim your power. Okay. So here is your one tiny confident body action step that I want you to put in practice this week. Ready? Get out your phone and I want you to open up the notes app. I want you to write down three things, you know, help you feel on track. What are just, just three things. Let's not make it 10 things. So just three, like water. I, you know, I know when I drink water, I feel like I'm on track or I get good sleep. Maybe it's like when I plan my dinner, I know I can feel on track. Maybe it's when I get out for a walk, even if it's just for 10 minutes, I feel better. I feel like I'm more on track. Maybe it's something like, you know, when I was struggling with my uh, afternoon snack with my Cheerios, maybe if you know you have a healthy snack planned and prepped for four o'clock when you're going to be more vulnerable, maybe that helps you feel more on track. Whatever it is, I want you to pick three things and write it down in your notes app on your phone. Now, step two. Go back to the top of the note and I want you to label it. My personalized back on track plan. So here you now have your very own customized back on track plan. You have a step-by-step map for what to do when you have a slip up. You're planning for it. It's right here in your phone so you can access it anytime. You're doing your future self a favor because you know life is not perfect. And you're not expecting yourself to be perfect either. So instead of expecting perfection, you're planning for how you will help yourself get back on track and into your healthy groove. You can probably hear that my dogs are excited about it too. I get it. It's exciting. All right. So we're, we're finishing up our confident body action step. Last thing, I want you to go to the bottom of the note and whatever was your last step. So you had one, two, three. Now I want you to add in number four, and this is going to say, forgive myself. Write down, I know that loving myself will help me get to my goals a lot faster than beating myself up. I love myself enough to learn my way through each slip up. All right. So that is your quick confident body action step for this week. And there is a whole section in my book called Your Miracle that talks about falling off the wagon. So if you've ever found yourself feeling susceptible to these kinds of all or nothing thinking, then check out my book. You can just search for You Are a Miracle on Amazon. And if there's anything in this episode that has helped you, I would love for you to write a review on iTunes. It would be so helpful and it might help somebody else decide to listen to this podcast and could help them feel a little bit less alone, which would be, you know, pretty awesome. And remember, love yourself because loving yourself gets you to your goals a whole lot faster and it's more fun. All right. That's what I got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening today. It is truly a gift that you are here listening. I so appreciate you. My private coaching spots are filling up, but I have two spots still open. If you're jamming on the podcast and putting all those tiny confident body action steps into practice on your own, then that is awesome. And if you'd like some help with accountability on that or work on diving deeper into some of the unique challenges that make it hard to lose weight, then let's work together. Not everyone needs the same kind of support. So we work together to customize what strategies, systems, and deep dive coaching that you need to help you address the emotional and mental parts of weight loss that lie underneath the surface of a typical diet plan. Now, maybe you're thinking, 
You know, that sounds great, but I kind of feel guilty spending money on myself like that. If that resonates, I so hear you. I have struggled with that too. But let me ask you, what are you missing out on by not taking time to invest in you? How much longer do you want to keep things the way they are? Where will you be five years from now if nothing changes? And maybe that makes sense, but you're still feeling like it's hard to take the money or especially the time to invest in yourself. I get that too. But here's a question. Of all the things you could spend money or time on, what better investment is there than to spend time investing in the relationship with yourself? How will your loved ones benefit by you feeling better about you? You spend a lot of time, like your whole life, in your body. And the person you talk to the most is you. What better investment could there be than to take care of the person you are with the most? If you're ready to stop waiting for someday, please go to my website and schedule a free call at www.confidentbody.coach. I think I only said two W's. There's three W's. You get it. Anyway, or send me an email at lizzie at confidentbody.coach. Remember, you are a masterpiece, a piece of the master. God put that little spark of divinity within you and you are meant to shine exactly the way you were made. You are one of a kind. And when there is only one of something, it literally cannot be compared. You were created for a reason and we need you. You are a miracle. Go shine your light today.